What's up, Flooring Family? Welcome to the huddle. Come to you every Tuesday, 3 o'clock Central, to discuss maintaining forward progress in your flooring career. With me today, as always, Mr. Daniel and Jose Gonzalez out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we are new technology today, so sorry we're late a little bit. But <laughs> going, fellas? It's going good. My brother's going to come over here because we can't figure out the new technology yet. Yeah, we're getting there. So, so to get started, <clears throat> kicking off the new year, uh, we figured what better uh, topic to talk about than taxes. So uh, today's topic is pros and cons of subcontracting. And, um, you know, this time of year, tax preparation, that kind of thing. Now, we're not accountants or um, financial advisors, but so take this as entertainment purposes um, or just uh, consider it as a um, lessons that we have learned or have experienced and we're sharing our journey so do not take this as financial advice but i don't think we'll get in too much trouble by saying pay your taxes and uh preparation in doing so uh so to start off with though the the part of the topic that leads up to this is the pros and cons of subcontracting so at my flooring company, we have both hourly and subcontractors. I know that Preferred Flooring does as well. And uh, the purposes of having both for us is quality control as well as uh, control in schedule, more flexibility with our in-house guys. <clears throat> um, I also believe in training a lot. So if we can send people to training or, or make sure that our crews are better trained. Um, it's just frankly, um, an easier thing to do with, um, you know, in-house employee installer. So pros and cons guys, what's the, uh, what's your initial take on, um, becoming a subcontractor? I would say, um, you, you do have quite a bit of freedom, right? Like, it's really up to you how much work you want to take on or how little work you want to take on, the type of work you want to take on. You can be pretty fussy um, if you select to be. Um, I would say that that was it. And you, you, can, you can choose who you work with or work for. That's a little bit easier as well. Yeah, those are great points. Um, one of the big things I think that is appealing is having some flexibility to your schedule, yeah. uh, to people. I think one of the other appealing things is, uh, you know, doing, doing the work you love the most, you can kind of choose to do. If you're, you know, a carpet guy, you can choose to do just carpet, yes. you know, and there's plenty of guys that, I mean, some of the guys that we use, we use them strictly because of that. That's all they do. So anytime <laughs> we have that project, it's like, or uh, a high-end residential piece, this is who we're calling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, and, and you can build a, a reputation around that. So, and so you know, I know that's appealing and that's a great point. It is. You, you, find, um, you find people willing to work with you and be part of your team who may have strengths that you don't. And um, I think part of the, the hardest part about that is, is, is just recognizing that, hey, someone is more efficient than you. Someone is better than you. But then also recognizing that there are people out there that, that are, are, in fact, um, really good at what they do. And if they're more efficient than me, then it doesn't make sense for me to struggle to, uh, to have our guys go and do something that we have someone else available well, to do so. That's what we were talking about. Uh, we had a meeting this morning and we were talking about, you know, some projects that are coming up that have some ceramic tile on it. And I was like, just one of the last projects, it, it had two bathrooms. And I said, if we were to do it, it'd take us, you know, three, four days. They got it done in two half days. <laughs> yeah. They just know. They just know. Yeah. And- and they can, you can specialize. So obviously that's a, um, a big plus. Um, another benefit, I think, or another appealing thing of becoming a sub is what you mentioned, Jose, is you can kind of work with the people that you like working with the most. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you work for a company by the hour, I mean, technically you can quit and go to work for someone else, but you know, working for other people as a sub doesn't impact the resume the way that working for 15 companies by the hour over the course of a year can impact the resume. So, you know, you, you have more freedom of who you work with and, and enjoy working with and doing the type of work you enjoy. Um, so those are all great reasons to become a sub or to be a sub. I mean, you know, I know plenty of guys that really specialize in uh, she vinyl and, and flash coving and heat welding. And that's what they enjoy doing. And that's what they're the best at. And, uh, I also know some guys that wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole, but can do (laughs) ceramic tile like you wouldn't believe. So, um, you're not, you don't have to be be as, um, you know, varied in your skill set um, necessarily, not to say you don't need to be a problem solver. Certainly you have to be a problem solver, but uh, you don't have to, you can kind of, like I said, just uh, hang out on the uh, discipline that you enjoy doing the most floor God in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you talk about subs, it's, it's hard not to talk about the money that I think is another attractor for a lot of guys. This one is where I think the most pros and cons come into the earlier uh, items you did, you mentioned uh, Jose was I think really positive reasons to be a sub. Like they all make a lot of sense and very little full or um, whiplash from that or, or mm-hmm. cons to that. When you start talking about the money, you do have to start to then be, understand it's more of a business um acumen that you need to have there's there's more things you need to consider um you know being this time of year i talked about taxes already but i'm gonna just dive into that a little bit more here in a bit another thing that you need to learn to track that you don't have to typically as a hourly guy uh or not so much is the expenses on the on the project like what are you spending money on how much gas are you spending? What's your, you know, vehicle payment? Do you have a shop? 
what's that like understanding your cost to do business mm -hmm. what's what's overhead and what is job cost and separating those and understanding what you need to make to cover those those overhead and uh project cost and Kinda if that confuses you a little bit there is a program out there called the sim program that will actually help you understand a lot of what he just said. Uh, sorry, just a little plug in there for that. Yeah, well, that's that's a good point. And that, that program does go into it pretty well. I've read through the, the manuals that our guys who got SIM certified um, brought back, and there's a lot of good info in there about that. And I would say that one, one thing to understand your main difference, one of the kind of the frameworks I'd put around overhead versus project costs is if it's, if it's something that's going to incur whether or not you're working or not. So your rent or your utilities, employees can be, can fall in that as well. Um, and I, I say non, non-project productive employees, maybe a bookkeeper who works for you or if your wife is your accountant and you're paying her, uh, those types of deals, those are overhead costs. Member, member number four. This is Luna. Yeah. Luna. She's back here whining. So I figured I better pick her up before she's. Gets Lu Luna's going to teach us some stuff about being cute. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I look at it like if it's not directly project oriented, that can get confusing because then is your truck, you're driving it mainly for work. Is that a project cost? Well, the gas to get there can be, but the truck itself, you're going to incur that cost next month anyway, whether you land a job or not. So it's kind of a oversimplification, but maybe a good framework to think about it in. Um, and then you got taxes and we are upon that time of year where the profit that you've made, um, I think in a previous episode, we talked about this, but putting a certain percentage, figuring out kind of, even if you just get close, figuring out which bracket you think you're going to be in and then pulling that money back and saving it, uh, doing that on a weekly or monthly basis versus trying to come up with a large sum at the end of the year uh, or making quarterly payments into the uh, tax entities so that, you know, you don't get hit with a huge bill at the end of the year. Uh, those are all pretty good practices that I think that would be supported by the, the you know, governing entities. But what, what are your guys' thoughts around that? Because it is one of the things that really caught me off guard early on. Thing that catches everyone off guard and you kind of, uh, I think when everyone starts, <laughs> They don't really realize how much of it actually has to be put away. So they're just guessing, right? And if you really look at um, the documents that the government provides, they actually give you a table and everything to say, if you're making this much, this is how much you you're, you should be paying. But that that's all without deductions, right? So that's without your kids and without your house and whatever other deductions that you have. But still, um, we we want to say it, it's the we. I think we stuck to thirty percent ish. Was I think we started around thirty three, right? Like trying to overdo it, but then thirty ended up being 
a pretty good sweet spot to plan ahead? Yeah, I'd say that's, um, I mean, what do you got to lose at the end of the year? If you don't pay it all the way in, you got money left over in your account. Um, much different than when you're getting as an employee, the employer handles that and pulls the money out of your weekly paycheck and then forwards that to the government. Um, and you often would get a refund or a lot of people would get refunds. Well, my stance is one of the benefits of being a sub in this manner is if you, if, if you're over allocating to that, at least it's in your hands and not in the government's hands until they decide to give you a refund. Right. So that's kind of a benefit if you do it right as a sub, put it in a tax bearing or an interest bearing account that's liquid, you know, and a lot of, a lot of people will put it into a CD, earn you right now, pretty good rate, you know, five, six. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you put that in, on a monthly basis and buy six month CDs and uh, depending on the minimums for those, but you can have multiples um, and then you're earning interest on your money while you're waiting to pay it in. And then when you pay it in every quarter or every year, however you choose to do it, you got the money, whatever's left over, you just don't liquidate and uh, you keep it and it keeps growing for you. So the, to me, that's a benefit. You're keeping your money. You're not, because essentially when you get a refund, the government's not giving you any money. They're just They're giving just you your money back. <laughs> that you overpaid. So yeah. I, I, I don't know why, but when I was younger in my early twenties, I was like, yeah, I got, you know, it was You're almost so like, yeah, like, and the government puts it that way. That too. They treat it like it's a gift to you. Um, because that's how they want you to feel. In truth, they're over there earning interest on your money and every bit that you overpay. And so as an employee, you set your deductions, you set all that up with your employer on how much you want pulled from your check every week. If you're getting a huge refund, uh, you might want to reconsider, you know, whether or not you want that much taken out and readjust. To me, it was uh, after I figured it all out, it was better to still owe money at the end of the year, even if it was just a little bit, than for me to get a big refund. I didn't want, I got to where I didn't want a big refund, even working by the hour. I figured that out after a couple of years and I was like, shoot, I'd rather have all my money, as much money as I can possibly have right now. And at the end of the year, if I owe a thousand bucks, I owe a thousand bucks. Um, so plan accordingly. The, the best advice I can give you is get an accountant. Yeah. Uh, you know, get an accountant, talk about your business, talk about how you, uh, I, I went three, probably three years subbing without an accountant. I just, I had a sister that did taxes and I didn't have an accountant. Get an accountant, make sure you're, uh, you know, communicating with them and you're turning in your documents, your receipts and your, your expenses and things like this. Note which job it's on, you know, mm -hmm. try to have a pseudo P and L at the very least. Um, but working with an accountant on your taxes is the best practice. And I thoroughly, thoroughly encourage it and 
don't take anything that I said um, as <laughs> as gospel. That's just gospel where you, you found your the best success for you, right? You found yeah. your, your stride with that, yeah. And um, I think um, early on, when we had, uh, let's say before we had an actual accountant try to do everything ourselves through the um, TurboTax. Um, TurboTax and, and holy, like the estimating the taxes and all that, you know, TurboTax, that's all it is, is recommendations, right? There, I don't think there's any, there was nothing exact. There was no, because it, it can't do projections for you, right? It only can base everything off of the previous year. Um, and we've been wrong on both sides, positive <clears throat> and negative. Um, and let me add to that too, the taxes, the insurance too, like you're a small business, and, but you do have a couple employees. Um, I think we've been hit with a pretty large insurance bill um, after the turn of the year, or after the renewal as well, uh, because we didn't plan ahead for that. We didn't plan accordingly for that either, or didn't pay enough. Um, so I'm sorry, that's a little off track, but I just wanted to throw that in no, there too. It's, per it's perfectly on track, actually. I mean... <clears throat> Insurance is one of the biggest uh, expenses you have as a business, and we're talking about what a what the pros and cons are of hmm. being a subcontractor. So, oh yeah, yeah, you're insurance right. Is right there with with taxes. Um, insurance is particularly um, it's important that you understand the, the rules in your area for insurance and that you consider if you're going to hire a guy, pay him cash and do this whole 1099 exempt, he's exempt, I'm exempt, they're exempt. You, you are flirting with some danger. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to 100% agree with that. Um. So um, <laughs> I, I would say, make sure that talk, talk to an accountant and um, they'll help you with insurance as well. And understanding they're not insurance people, but they'll certainly help you understand some of the consequences of not paying it. Also uh, the deductions that come along with paying it. So it's not, you know, it's in a, it's a business expense. So, you know, talk to your accountant, but in m most cases that's, going to be reducing your taxable income. And I, so, I think what people just need to realize is that insurance is something that you're going to have to provide and you're never going to get away from it. Like, yeah, it's it's nice to want to cut costs and everything, but the deeper you go into everything, like, all right, say you, you do start off as, you know, working for someone, then you're like, I want to get my own jobs and I want to work for contractors and stuff like that. And then guess what? Now you need this insurance. Guess what? Your limits go up, <laughs> and now you need to provide um, you you need to provide them on the insurance, right? And insured. additionally insured, and it just goes on and on, and then it's an umbrella insurance, <laughs> and then like I, papers I was of segregation and everything <laughs> yeah. goes along with it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you're you're never gonna get away from it. It's 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 something that you just have to embrace, and if you embrace it early on, you're gonna be far better off. Um, I mean, everything is just, it's an, just like everything, it's an additional cost. I don't think we've ever worked for a company that didn't require like the bare minimum. I, the and when we're talking about insurance, to be clear, we're talking about liability insurance. Correct. Health insurance and all that is a whole different kind of ball of wax. 
But if you want health insurance, it's another cost you need to be thinking about when you're bidding your work. Yes. The insurance we're referring to is liability insurance. So that if you, uh, you know, throw your kicker through a window on accident, that that $20,000 window is now covered by your liability insurance. And it will be $20,000, guys. <laughs> it will be. And you are not personally going to have to cover that. Um, but the insurance that you need is going to depend on the type of work you're doing. Uh, like Jake says, it's expensive. All the insurances add up real quick. There's no doubt about it. Uh, at the bare minimum, you're going to have to have liability insurance if you're working by yourself for a company or even for a homeowner. You definitely want that. I mean, if you just think about any number of things that can go wrong on a job or you don't put your car, <laughs> your van in park and <laughs> rolls back and smashes, well, that's going to be covered. And this is where insurance gets complicated. That's probably covered on your vehicle insurance. Mm -hmm. But if a piece of equipment falls out of it, and then rolls down and smashes the car, then your liability insurance is probably the uh, coverage. So insurance is just that. It's to cover your butt on the things that may happen. So you do have to have it. Um, I see some comments about going through wife's insurances. That's more than likely uh, in reference to health insurance health costs insurance. and not on liability insurance costs. Liability is just that the liability that you're covering the risk of being on a job site doing work. That's what that covers work comp covers injuries on that job site. So if you don't have health insurance, you darn sure should have work comp on yourself. If you do have health insurance, then it might make sense to exempt yourself from work comp insurance. So a lot of this stuff is, really um there's some there's a lot of times overlap and you're double paying for some things uh and that's okay but you know it's also very important to understand what is re absolutely required on a job is liability and work comp uh you as a if you're an individual installer and you don't have anybody working with you you don't have to have work comp you can exempt yourself I think that's silly if you don't have health insurance though. If you get a major accident, you cut your finger off on a job site, then work and you're covered on your own work comp insurance, then you're covered. Unless if you're you one of those that, people that get hurt and pull a ladder over you and say it was the electrician's fault <laughs> and then go that route, but don't, don't try to do anything dumb like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, a good point here, make sure that your tools are covered um that's content like <laughs> the contents in transit i think they call it uh equipment in transit each yeah, equipment in transit has uh different terms for it but that's a good point thank you jake for bringing that up appreciate the comment um making sure your tools are covered or equipment in transit materials in transit if you're picking up materials from uh florida core for a homeowner and you get an accident on the way there or your straps break and then you disperse uh, all the materials onto the highway, you need 
uh, materials in transit coverage, either on your auto policy or on your liability policy. Again, getting with a good insurance company, we're working with um, at Go Career, we're working with Federated, hopefully. Uh, we're talking to State Farm. We're talking to a bunch of different firms. Uh, I name them because they're all the major names and trying to work out some packages for any Go Carrera um, uh, installer members to have access to professionals who can guide you in this manner. Um, but definitely you need to make sure you're talking to a pro on it. Yeah. And it's, it all depends on the insurance agency, right? Because we used to work with a local agency and they were, I mean, they still are great. I still use them for my home insurance. Yeah, I'm pretty sure too. you do too. I've been with them since I was 18 years but old. So we just still. switched over to Federated not too long ago. And it just, they get more in depth when they, when they, you know, do their site visits here, go through the warehouse, make sure that everything is, uh, is covered and they, they get more in depth on the in transit stuff. What's mm -hmm. covered in the warehouse, what's covered under, this policy, what's covered under this policy? Oh, your machines are in the warehouse, but they're still covered under this <laughs> this blanket over here, so you don't have to worry about it over here. And it's just you know getting someone that knows exactly what what is going on. Yeah. So, kind of closing this out, um, I would say that you know making sure that you check all the you know, requirements of your area for insurance, all the requirements in your area for taxes, and then plan accordingly, get an accountant and get a, a, uh, uh, insurance guy. That's the, I don't even know if it's a con for being a subcontractor. It's just one of the things you need to be cognizant of. The only con I can see in being a subcontractor is probably the biggest con is the companies who have hourly installers are always going to keep those guys busy first and you will be second. So um, I think that's probably the, the biggest con of all is, or the biggest downfall of all is the fact that when the work's not there, you're probably going to be the first installer to not be working, especially in an area that may have some hourlies. Now, if you're down in an area that it's just subs, it's just you versus an, another set of subs. And so just make sure your quality's up there, your communication, mm -hmm. your, your, you're performing at a high level and you're going to stay busy. Uh, quick question came across. What's Go Carrera? Go Carrera is a, a network of installers. Uh, you can sign up at gocarrera.com. And the purpose of that is A, you can find new work on Go Carrera through uh, member companies and, uh, bid work there, set your pricing. Um, it's also, um, it's also a great platform. Another comment come up <laughs> subs versus subs here. Um, anyway, so go career also, we're working to provide a lot of other, uh, tools for the installation community from insurance opportunities to, uh, get better insurance rates. Um, we have some trainings coming down the pipe on some, some financial training on how to run a business. Uh, you can sign up as you see here on the screen at gocareer.com and join the brotherhood, the digital brotherhood of installers where we're working to elevate our trade. We're working to elevate the installer. Uh, me being an installer most of my life, 
Uh, it's been a platform that I've wanted to build and um, have a huge benefit to the installer. The first purpose is, and really our mantra is what's good for the installer is good for the industry. So you can find work on there. You can bid work. Uh, it's a great platform for, um, you know, we're going to be adding some communication features where we can communicate back and forth. But if you're doing project over the GoCareer network with one of the GoCareer member companies, there's a lot of tools in there that helps you protect yourself, helps you with communication and documents. Um, you know, keeps everything simplified in one space, right? That that's what a lot of um, so we we talk about the cons and and the pros and cons, and I think one of the cons is is that a lot of people get into the subcontractor space and not knowing how to organize everything and keep the business as business. We talk about bank accounts, insurance, and then just talk about paperwork in general. How do you keep everything organized? And GoCrera helps you streamline that by keeping it per project. You know, these pictures yeah. are automatically in that project. You want to see them? Go back to that project, look them up. And, and Paul yeah. being very modest about about his about this platform, you guys. He's just trying. <clears throat> like, if this well, was around when I was younger and we were starting out as subs. It probably would have been a, a little bit easier to find work outside of my area and be and and feel comfortable going and traveling to to those other areas and and that's where the subcontractor a, a pro about it. If you're on the network, you can find work somewhere. If you don't have work in your area, now you have access to this full network. Um, and as long as you fit the criteria, you'll have you could you could have a project available for you. And if you I, don't mind yeah, traveling. And I think one of the, the good things about it is you were here a couple of weeks ago, right? And we started talking about, you know, employees on there as well. Like you can you can be a subcontractor, but still have your own employees and still keep track of them and their projects that way, too. So it's uh, almost on both sides, right? Your subcontractor still have employees and keeping track of everything all in one platform. If you're a sub and you got employees, you can add them to your team, share the project documents with you within the installation instructions and whoever gave you that job whoever's work order it is that produced it you can chat with them live uh it just helps a lot with your job site communication and covering covering yourself on change orders if you get a change order you can or you have additional work on a job you need to do you can submit a change order right through the platform within i'm talking two or three clicks and you've submitted a change order. Mm -hmm. So it just helps with the protection of the subcontractor to not have uh, verbal communication, okays, or yeah, go ahead and do that kind of thing and then not get paid for it. It just documents all that. So it's a good platform. We're working real hard to add more work to it. That's part of our focus here in 2024 to add more opportunities. Uh, I talked to a guy, that's on the network that wants really wants more work on across the nation because he wants to travel. And we've talked about this too. He wants hey. to do a trip like <laughs> yes. travel and, and cover these work orders. Um, I think it would be freaking fantastic and cool to do that myself. You imagine going to Yellowstone or something and just picking up jobs on the way and I, taking yes. three, four weeks, you're working, doing a little bit of job here, do a little job there. Um, we do have some success stories where guys have been in one area, the job got pushed for a couple of days. They picked up a job in that area, covered their couple of days of downtime, earned a couple grand, went to the job that they were originally on, didn't lose any time, 
any of that. I want to go too, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, uh, I hope we've kind of, you know, at least given a high level of like the pros and cons of, of being a subcontractor. There's not a lot of cons if you run, run your uh, subcontracting business as a business. Um, where I have seen the most failures is when guys treat their subcontracting business like a job and they don't pay any attention to the taxes. They don't pay any attention to the insurance and proper coverage and they don't spend their uh, time as the business owner in recruiting mm -hmm. and training new installers to help their business grow. You are a people business. Your people are made up of installers of other tradespeople, and you want to be able to hire these uh, qualified, uh, you know, starting people that are coming into our industry and then train them up. And then you can handle more work and know that they, that's exactly how you guys have started, you know, your success path, right? That's how I started my success path was hiring other uh, installers, paying them as either employees or fully paying them as a subcontractor, no 1099, like, oh, you don't need insurance. I'll pay you as a 1099. Nope. If I paid anybody as a 1099, they are going to be, um, if, if I paid anybody as a 1099, they were going to be a full sub. They were going to give me insurance. And if they had people working for them, they were going to have to, uh, have, uh, uh, work comp insurance, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So, you know, just run all your the stuff that everybody asks of you. Like if you're, if you're submitting that you paid out that much, this much money to so-and-so, then they're going to ask for those documents anyway. Okay. Do you have their, their information? Where are their documents? Um, it's a trickle. So, so I'm going to answer Chris's question real quick. I think, uh, to answer your question, all you got to do is sign up for, for an account and then go on the map to see if there's anything local to you. If not, um, I, I'm sure you can reach out to, what is it, support at gocreer.com and ask to be put into contact if anyone is in your area. So that way, at least you have some contacts in the area. Yeah, if you sign up, Christopher, and then uh, you can explore the map and see if there's any work in your area. Uh, that doesn't mean there's not a company. It just simply means that maybe that company has all their work uh, covered at the moment. Um, but you can explore work in that area or any area uh, that you please. I know that there's some work orders that have been published in down in the Southeast. There's been more here over the last 48 hours even. So it's growing and we're going to continue to bring them. What we want to do is bring you the opportunity. The, the work order is going to have an amount on it buy the item, you bid it the way you negotiate it, the way that you feel is best suited for you. And if you have a strong profile, the best thing I can tell you guys to be successful on Go Carrera is have a strong profile. What that means is you, you want to get trainings that are going to increase your hammer rating and bolster your experience. If you're both experienced and well-educated in flooring, you're going to have a good profile. You're going to have a strong hammer rating. You're going to qualify for a lot of work. If you don't, every opportunity that you get on the network, do a great job because then you can get kudos, which will earn you even more work. So we're working on, there's a lot of deals. There's also a deals page on there for everybody's uh, information that you can go in and get discounts off of tools and stuff. And we're going to really bolster that this year. So um, 
I'm going to close this out. We're trying to keep our uh, new version here this year a little bit shorter uh, and as concise as possible. So thank you for everybody who's commented and um, everybody who's, um, you know, uh, chimed in today. We really appreciate it. Guys, any um, closing thoughts on success for subs? Because I, I almost think it's more of that than than the pros right. and cons. Um, go ahead. I think um, what people... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you. <laughs> We've been saying that for years. Yeah. But I, I think what, what people need to understand is that uh, they, they only look at the dollar signs that come in as a subcontractor and they don't look at the expenses. Right. And that's a, a huge deal of what we talked about today is, yeah, you get more money, but you also have to pay more money out. And mm -hmm. I mean, in some cases, you know, there's years where people say, you know, you're always meant to make money, but there's, there's a couple years where no, we did not make any money that mm -hmm. year because the expenses outweighed, you know, the revenue. And that that's when you look at things as a, as a, from a business perspective and say, what can I do in order to cut costs somewhere, make money, but still be productive. And mm -hmm. it, it is, it's a business that you have to run. It's not just, I'm going to go get as much work as possible. You got to be you got to cut cost. You got to get better, be smarter, be more efficient, find people that work harder than you. There's a lot of things to do, right? Um, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you're in a free market economy at that point. And yeah. that's what, if you work for a company, that's what they're doing. Finding ways to get expenses down, uh, you know, make more money, get more revenue, do it efficiently, all these things. Um, that, that, it's just like Jorge says, it's an investment, right? Yes. And it, it's that's what you have to look at it like any money that's coming in. Like even now, I mean, we're what, 13, 14 years deep almost. And we're still constantly <laughs> reinvesting because, you know, people think all oh, you guys are making all this money. It's like, no, we're constantly bringing it in and it's going out because we have to do that. Got to re yeah. up, man. Got to, got to recharge, man. Every 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 moving part is, is part of your battery for the business. And you got to look at it like that. Got to keep yeah. everything recharged and work in order. Um, I would say for it, for, for my final, my closing is um, grind, just grind. Like in the back of your head, if you're competitive, man, just, just know that somebody out there is willing to work harder than you. You're going to let them win. Just grind. Yeah. You got to work hard for sure. That's a great point. And uh, you know, speaking of investments, I know that wasn't necessarily the uh, topic, but you know, the third part to this is, if you can put 10% of your money back and invest it, I don't care how simple you get, uh, talk to a financial advisor, but if you just over the last 30 years invested in the S and P 500, an index, very easy to do on your cash app. <laughs> it's like you're up, you're up and to the right significantly today versus 30 years ago. So, you know, talk to a financial advisor and reinvest your money as well. Invest it back into your company, invest it back into yourself, invest it back into your employees. And you guys will be better companies for it. We'll all be stronger as an industry together. And um, I hope we play a small port in, uh, in part in helping you guys do that here on the huddle. So with that, I'm going to sign us out. Um, Happy New Year, guys. Happy I New hope Year, everybody's got a... Uh, a uh, great year planned and uh, let's knock it out of the park this year.
Sounds good. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for joining. If you caught us on any of the socials, please give us a like and subscribe. I need to get better at, at, uh, at, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, shilling our, our channel. So subscribe right now, comment, uh, tell us something. Uh, appreciate all the comments during here. Thank you to everybody in the audience and we'll see you next week.